All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast powered by our friends over at X2 Power. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Eichbrett, and joined with me is not the captain once again, but we got this big bearded bastard over here from a few states south of us. I'm the captain now. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, first of all, the powered by X2 thing, we're going to have to like record something where it's like an old school 90s like radio station where it's just like powered by X2, you know, like or something like that. We need that in here, you know, like Sunday, 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 powered by X2. That, that like yeah. disc. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We need that. Yeah. I like that. But no, yeah, man, I'm here. We're I'm excited. We're going to have a good time. We're going to talk about some stuff. What stuff? I don't know yet. Everybody's probably read the title of this podcast and figured it out Alex by now, it. but I haven't. I just show up with a smile on my face and talk about whatever I'm asked to talk about. Yep, just texted Alex. I'm like eight o'clock. Be there. Otherwise, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> oh please! I only no have notes. like I only have like zero. So I need one at least, please. <laughs> <laughs> I just need one friend. <laughs> one friend. One friend is all I need. Oh, uh, uh, like, gonna... Bailey's my friend. No, no, I'm not. But don't tell Alex that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> just, just be my friend on Facebook. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all right, uh, well, dude. Today obviously is going to be it's going to be a pretty fun show, and it's mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a show where it's going to lead to a much deeper dive where we're going to get like a few different guys, few different specialists on here to really like dial this down because the dog days are for you know for folks I me mean, the dog days of summer is yeah like Alex just mentioned it just pointed to it is right now it is right, right now <laughs> yeah, yeah it is today. Yeah. Um, and it's when, when things can get really tough. Well, I, like for certain parts of the country, right? Where mm-hmm. sometimes the summer, I mean, it's brutally hot for typically everybody, mm-hmm. but the fishing can get really, really tough, especially I feel like the further south you get. Mm-hmm. But everyone has their different version of, of tough, whereas the bite slows for us, but we can still typically catch them on a, on a bunch of different things, a bunch of different techniques, a bunch of different times. Whereas, like for you, it's like you got a specific window. You got to be throwing the exact right bait, and mm-hmm. you're catching five to six fish a day, mm-hmm. and you better capitalize on it, otherwise you're screwed. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's it's rough. I mean, you know, I was, I was telling you before the show started. Surface temperature of 89 degrees yesterday is what I saw. I mean, and so you know, it gets so hot that the I always tell people, I said, just like us. If we're hot and we don't want to be out in the heat, well, guess what? Fish are the same exact way, and they get lazy and they get lethargic just like we do. Like, you want to sit inside in the air conditioning this time of year. You don't want to go out and work in the yard. And, you know, these fish, they're the same way. They don't want to have to go work for food. They want to sit in the shade, and they want to wait till something just, like, literally hits them in the nose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's where it's, like, your turmoil of, of an angler is where you're like, do I fish fast? Do I fish slow? Mm-hmm. I mean, typically in certain situations, especially if you're on a ledge per se, you mm-hmm. want to have a combination of both. But then it begs the question of which do I start with? What do I follow mm-hmm. up with? You know, mm-hmm. what, si- what signs of these fish, you know, will tell me one thing or the other? And we did a show a little while ago. Uh, honestly, it was actually more like try like a, over a year ago with Buddy mm-hmm. Gross. And he kind of did a little dive on ledge fishing. And I'm curious, mm-hmm. your take on this is. He likes to start with like a football jig before he picks up a deep crank. Hmm. What is, what's your take? Do you start fast? Do you start slow? Uh, 
I start fast every time just because I'm like a squirrel on crack. You know what I mean? If I can, listen, if they will bot that plug, like I want to start with that first. You know what I mean? Like I want to start with a dredger and I want to fish it as fast as I can possibly reel that thing. And if they'll eat it doing that, then that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to catch every fish out of the school I can until they're just done with me. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I start fast, then go slow. Uh, you know, some people are different. That's just my, how I like to do it. Now, do you, will you try to follow up? I know you're a big Ned head. You're a big Ned guy. So will you follow up with that at all? Or are you just going to move on once they stop biting the plug? <sighs> Man, it just depends. Like, I, I think I think what's interesting is, like, if I'm seeing the size class of fish that I'm wanting to see out of a school, then, yeah, I'm going to sit down on it for a little while, and I'm going to keep throwing something at them. You know what I mean? A great example is when I was with Mikey when we were on Gunnersville. You know, we were on a school of good size fish. And like, you know, first couple cracks with that dredger, I catch like a two and a half and a three. And then, you know, like the fifth or sixth crack with that thing is a five and a half pounder. And I was like, oh, so those bigger fish are there, you know. And sometimes when the water's warm and we get into the dog days of summer, those bigger fish, even though they're deep, and I want to get into kind of how water temperature affects how these fish act, even though they're deep and that water temperature is a lot cooler down there, they will still just be a lot less. I wouldn't say aggressive. Aggressive is not the wor- right word. They're just a lot less willing to go out of their way to eat something unless it's like right on top of them. And I think sometimes, you know, you can crack off a few, you know, get the school fired up with a deep diving crankbait, but you're going to have to slow down, you know, with the Ned, with the worm, with the jig, with something to get those big, big ones to actually go, okay, you know, this is worth me swimming over and picking this thing up off the bottom. So, yeah, I mean, it just depends. You know, if I pull up on a school and just it's one and twos and ones and twos and ones and twos, eh, you know, I'll go on to the next one. You know, it's fun to catch them. But if you're, like, looking for that bigger-than-average fish and you're in that mindset of, hey, I've got to find those bigger-than-average fish, you know, look for that size class because normally they're going to they're gonna school together in a size class too, which is fascinating. I've always noticed that. Like, if you catch a two-pounder, normally, like, a mass majority of them are going to be two pounders. I don't understand why they do it or how they know to do it, but down here, that's something that happens. Now, here's a question on that. So, do you? I feel like ledges could be different, though, right? Because you could mm-hmm. have big fish mixed in. They might not might not hang with the majority of the school, but they'll be there. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Whereas- it can be. It can be. It depends. It really does. You know, it depends on the school, how big the school is, how the school's setting up, how the current sets up. I mean, that's that's a whole show within itself right there. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 But like, let's, let's take, you know, take a cut, right? You take mm-hmm. a, there's a small cut, not like one that takes you a decent amount of time to break down and you eventually figure out a specific section mm-hmm. or a specific structure, cover, however you want to call it that they'll sit on but one cut i mean will you find that if you're catching two pounder two pounder two pounder will that whole cut have only two pounders or is it kind of will it break up in terms of size of fish i know this is getting away from fast for slow but i'm just mm-hmm. curious on what you've seen if you find that they yeah. group up in a specific area by size i'll tell you this much this happened two weeks ago no a week and a half ago I don't know. It's like two weeks to a week and a half ago. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, I go into this. Yeah, yeah. I literally, I had to ask my wife what day it was today. It's fantastic, by the way. Um. Uh. Anyway, so I'm fishing through this pocket, and I get about the first third of the pocket going into the second third of the pocket. Flip on a tree, three pounder. 
fish, 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 go across the pocket, literally directly across from the tree where I caught that three pounder, flip in on another tree and caught another three pounder. Hmm. So that's one experience, right? But like I went to another pocket and did the same thing, but they were both just like pound and a halfers. And so there's something to fish being in the same size groups. Like it's really weird. And I don't know if they know how to do it. And I've noticed it even with like baby bass, they will school together with bluegill because it's like they know that that bluegill is the same physical size as them. And so like they will hang out with them. And I've seen bass. I watched it happen yesterday, which fascinated me. I seen two separate, you know, like fingerling, yearling size bass, like, you know, as big as your, your hand get smoked by bigger largemouth. And I think it's because those bigger largemouth were eating bluegills. You know, I was flipping a jig and catching them. And I think that there's something about that. I don't know what it is. There's an instinctual drive to get with other things that are the same size as it. And, you know, and another example of that is um, me and Caleb, we were down on Chickamauga. Uh, it's February, February, March time frame. you know, early, early spring. We found a school offshore quote unquote you know i mean they were in five foot of water but it was a it was a shell bar that was you know 60 feet off the bank but anyway we're catching them catching them i mean dude every single one of these fish is cookie cutter four pounds like you almost couldn't tell like at one point in the video i was i was confusing myself in the editing process thinking that i was catching the same fish over and over and over again caleb makes a cast about 20 feet off of that school and catches a six and a half pounder I make a cast about 20 feet off the school, catch a six and a half pounder. He casts back in there, catches one like high five. I catch another one high five. And it was like there was five or six fish that had separated themselves from that main school off to this like little small school. And they had schooled together in the same size class. It's Hmm. very weird, man. I don't know why they do it. I know that's like a total rabbit hole that we just went down, but it is, it's something fascinating. It's something I've experienced, you know, it could be different other places, but in my experience in fishing, you find them one size, they're almost all going to be that size. It's very strange. I found in some situations, smallmouth definitely do the same thing, but to get Mm -hmm. back to the topic at hand of fishing fast or fishing slow, I feel like there's some telltale signs. I mean, I think the biggest one, uh, telltale signs of should I fish fast right now? Should mm-hmm. I fish fish slow right now? Is first thing is foremost is the weather. You know the yeah. day either the day prior or the day of in that moment. You know it could be post frontal and typically post frontal you you get ready to drag and drag painfully slow, <laughs> yeah. like brutally yeah. slow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think there's a couple things. I think there's a couple factors in typically electronics will tell you what mm-hmm. you should be doing and how they're setting up uh, mm-hmm. electronics can tell you what, you know, version of the column you should be fishing. Not saying that you should mm-hmm. fish fast or slow, but I can tell mm-hmm. you if you got them sitting almost halfway up the column, I mean, you might get a couple of that. You catch one or two, the whole school is going to follow that when they're sitting mid column and then you're going to ruin the whole thing and they're going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. that's again, another rabbit hole that we can go down and we'll try to avoid those <laughs> as much as possible. Um <laughs> But like when there's, I feel like when they're sitting just off the bottom, say like a foot to maybe maximum two feet off the bottom, yeah. I feel like it doesn't matter what you throw in. I feel like there's very minimal cases where, and Buddy Gross touched on this a little bit, where if you throw a plug in first thing and you burn through that school, that some of them will actually spook from the plug. Yeah. 
I yeah. think that's why he mentioned he usually starts with a football jig or a worm. Yeah. Uh, whereas other people think to start, and I mean, I've felt it that way too. Um, but I've, I've been, I've actually really been experimenting with this is some people like to just start fast to your, to your train of thought of I'm going to fish fast. I'm going to fish, you know, I'm going to cover water until, you know, they tell me different, you know, if they're eating nope. it, I'm going to keep throwing it. Whereas say you just find schools though. I mean, there might be an instance where you might want to start slow and then mm-hmm. clean up house with the crankbait. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, I know, I think Mikey has, you know, our buddy, Mikey balls, has that same train of thought where yep. he usually starts well he starts out like mega slow like a small <laughs> yeah, tiny little, rig yeah yeah, yeah for drop, like draw, yeah. 10 pound largemouth though like you like small yeah, yeah. nico rig like yeah where some people think slow they think 10 inch water football yeah. rig, carolina yeah. rig you know something like that where yeah. starting out with well, a those, spinner ride. and and going down that train of thought I've, I've always said this big fish didn't get big by being stupid right and i think Oftentimes with big fish, it's hard to get them to react, but so you have to trick them. And that's really the two, you know, main ways you're going to catch a fish. You're going to get them to like essentially go brain dead and just like attack that thing. You know, like at a, when you get a fish to react, essentially their brain goes blank. Like it is a literal, they cannot control themselves, but to try to kill that thing when they react to something, you know, their brain just switches into murder mode. Or you're going to trick them, you know what I mean? And tricking them is when you got to drag something by their face and hop it in their face and make sure it's doused in max scent and, you know, that you're holding your rod right and your mouth right and you get that fish to, like, swim over to that thing, dissect it, and then make the instinctual decision to eat. And so, yeah, that's kind of like, I think that's... uh, Big fish, again, they didn't get big by being stupid. And I think sometimes, unless you... uh, I heard it put this way the best. My buddy Judson Brock, he's a fishing guide. He said, you can get every single fish to eat if you make that fish think that it found the bait. Hmm. And it's a it's such a simple thing, but it's a genius thought process. Right. And to kind of go into this, am I going to fish fast or am I going to fish slow? Well, what is going to be the best approach to making that fish think that it found that bait? And sometimes, you know, screaming a crankbait through a school of fish, it gets those fish, it hits that fish's instinct of, well, something's chasing that thing, so I guess I better chase it and try to kill it too. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> it's like dogs. You know, they say you could take, you know, a dog that's completely domesticated, and it's not going to attack like a goat. But if you put that dog with five other dogs that are all domesticated and they all start chasing that goat, there's an instinctual like predatory drive to all go chase the goat and kill the goat, even though they have no intention of like, you know, being wolves or doing it, but it's like yeah. that, that core wolf inside of them comes out. Right. Bass are even more simplistic than that. in the, like the lizard brain way that their brain works, that if one's chasing it, then we all must chase it. But to kind of go back to what buddy gross said and kind of what you were talking about, if that throwing of the crankbait spooks those fish, well, then they're in a mood for some reason. There's some kind of, you know, impact, whether the currents died down or the water temperatures change, which I want to get into all that here in just a minute. I think 1400 that's 1,400 boats on top of them. Yeah, 1,400 boats. <laughs> I've heard 1,000 sonar pings, you know, and I want to get into all that here in just a minute because I think I think temperature and current is two of the most important things to help what helps me to determine whether I'm fishing fast or slow. But say they turn the current off, 
So these fish are going to be a lot more spooky. They're going to be a lot less predatory driven. Or say that you're, and I tell you, I, you got me going now. My brain's going a thousand miles an hour. <laughs> I'll mute Something, myself. You have the show. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Another thing that happens too is like, okay, let's go with this current situation. You know, like they have, there's current in a lake. You're fishing a river ledge with current going over the top of it, right? So yep. if you have the current, what the current does is two things. Number one, it's going to position the fish. So when the current is not on, these fish can be spread out in an area the size of a football field, like literally the size of a football field. I have seen it where, you know, there's a rock pile, but when there's no current, those fish are freaking everywhere. And you literally have to fan cast an area and trick them into eating because these fish are so spread out from each other that there's zero competition within that area and so these fish aren't eating instinctually or reactionary or predatory you're having to trick them into eating this thing that you're presenting to them right whereas when that current gets turned on and it's even like one two miles an hour of current that's pulling over this rock pile every single one of those fish that was in that football size area condenses to behind that rock pile because it's a current break and there's an instinctual drive to sit there because that current does the second thing which is start bringing that bait fish through that area. And so all those, those fish, they stack up in that one spot together. And when they all get together, I'm sure there's like a, a, a word for this, like a scientific name, but it's just like a pack of dogs. When you get them all together is yeah. when like that instinctual it's competition, man, it's instinctual. It's like, Hey, there's a bunch of us together. We all got to eat. So I got to be more aggressive than the guy next to me. Right. And I think that really helps you determine in a situation like that, am I going to fish fast or am I going to fish slow? And just like you said, there's a lot of factors, but in that situation in particular for me, if I have current, and that can be man-made, that can be natural, that can be coming out of a river, coming out of a creek, whatever it is, you know, even wind just blowing through an area, that is going to make those fish condense. And so that's really, you know, if I don't have that, if I don't have current, if we're post front, if we're bluebird, slick, calm, dude, you're going to have to drag. You're going to have to fish slow because those fish are just going to be more spread out. They're going to be less willing to eat for a lot of different factors. But I think one of the biggest factors is that they're just not together. But when you do have that current and they're condensed together and you have that reason for them to be together, then, hey, you know, it's time to get something out and like, do what I love, which is fish like a squirrel on crack and go, 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 go. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, I think if somebody said it was Rick Claw that said like current is always the, either the constant or negator or something like that. I can't remember the specific term, but current basically is if king. you have current, you're always going to catch them. Yes. Basically current, always current, catch current, them. current. I mean, like when I was growing up, my dad, I've been fishing for as long as I can remember. And even still to this day, my dad goes, what's king? Current's king. What's the three most important factors in fishing? Current, current, and current. Like, dude, our entire existence in <laughs> Tell in me Tennessee, you're a river rat. Without, yeah. Tell me you're a river yeah. Rat. I mean, dude, the entire existence in Tennessee just centers around, is there current? Okay, there's current. Let's go catch them. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, it is awesome. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes back to, you know, what we're, we're talking about here. When we talk about current is don't worry about, going fast or slow basically you could start you know fish your confidence in terms of current but then you can always yeah. slow down you can always speed up here yeah basically let the fish tell you what they want because if it's if there is current and there's fish they are going to eat something 
Yeah, uh, it's it's yeah. there really isn't. I don't think a wrong answer in terms of current. Whereas when we yeah. talk about more lakes that don't have that, you know, constant current, I should say, we'll get into. They have different types of current. Obviously, we'll get into, mm-hmm. but that's there really isn't a wrong answer. Is really what yeah. I'm trying to get. There's always a better answer in terms of what's going to catch you more fish, bigger fish in a river system, but um, you really can't go wrong. When you throw a wacky rig versus throwing a plug versus throwing a top water, you're going to yeah. catch something. Um, yeah. And that's all but, very situational. I mean, right, it's just right. it's so, it's so that, it's that's your, that's your X factor. You know what I mean? That's that factor yeah. that like people will ask me a question and I'm like, well, you know, where do you fish? Where are you from? What time of year? You know, <laughs> that's that X factor right. of like, you know, just just know current is king. Now go figure out that specific bot in the current. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. And, and so in switching gears and talking about a lake or, I mean, I guess you could still take like the TVA, which I feel like it's that system is, is its own exception to the whole country, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. acting completely different. But uh, a lake that doesn't have that natural current, you know, you're going to have windows. Mm-hmm. And the windows are going to be completely different in terms of whether you should fish fast or fish slow. Now, I think you can always get away with fishing slow, Mm -hmm. but there are better ways in certain windows if you fish faster, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. whereas, take one of our finger lakes up here in the north. I'll take that for example, where we don't have that natural current. Mm -hmm. Our our current is wind driven. um, And that is basically what you're going to get is without wind, you're not going to have current on that lake. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of wind that'll really much like say help your chatterbait bite your crankbait mm-hmm. bite you know if mm-hmm. you're throwing a hollow belly mm-hmm. but when it's slack calm dead mm-hmm. typically is when you want to slow down you throw a drop shot throw a worm drag a worm mm-hmm. that type of deal mm-hmm. that being said when that wind's going you are still going to catch them on a drop shot on a worm mm-hmm. but your slower stuff whereas that wind will help your faster bite if that makes any sense mm-hmm. so it's Mm-hmm. Very again back to the condition situational, um, but I think the biggest factors of if you should start fast or start slow it has to do with windows. I think windows mm-hmm. is the biggest thing in the summer. Whereas, like say and water spray, temperature, I'll say temperature, water, temperature. which we'll get we'll get into in yeah. a second here. Yeah, but uh, yeah, whereas like spring, those colder water temperatures don't it don't matter. You could throw that thing all day long, regardless, and they're still going to eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, and your windows are going to be a couple of different things. So your first, first thing, right as sun's coming over the mountains, right before it, like 30 minutes, I'd say, what'd you say? About an hour, hour and a half before it, 30 minutes to an hour after the sun comes yeah. over the mountains. That's yeah. like your window where you could throw top water, throw fast moving mm-hmm. baits without having wind involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then not saying and you often get times, oftentimes you will have wind involved in the morning because right it's literally this is like cosmic level crap but like you know like when the sun gets up and the sun gets high in the sky and the temperature raises you know it literally like calms the winds down in a lot of cases and then in the evenings here anyway you know here in the mornings the wind blows until the sun gets up the sun gets up it starts to heat up throughout the day. It gets that stagnant outside. And then in the evenings we have thunderstorms because that stagnation all day and that just humidity and all that warmth builds pop-up thunderstorms. And so it's like this cyclical thing, but more, more times than not. And you'll notice this like 
you know, whether you're hunting or fishing or whatever it is in the morning, you're going to have wind. Like it's just, as soon as that sun starts coming up, it's like, a, it's like almost like a, I don't know what, I really don't know what that is. I don't have to research that more and find an answer, but there's something about in the morning when the sun starts to come up that the wind just blows. I don't know why it is. It's weird, but it, ha- it happens. Hmm. It, <laughs> I'm like, isn't that, I'm though, isn't that weird that. though? Isn't that weird though? Like when you want wind is when you don't get the wind. And when you don't want the wind is when you do get the wind. You know what I'm yes. saying? Like that whole morning to afternoon deal when the sun comes the highest and the so, wind dies down. You're like, please give me some side of wind. Like you're like begging for it. <laughs> here's the here's the explanation. In the morning, when sunlight returns and begins to warm the surface layer, the wind from above gradually builds downward and returns to the surface at night. Winds above the surface layer often increase in strength because of the energy is not dis- dissipated by the contact with the ground. So literally, as the sun warms up the air, it starts to pu- push that wind back down. And I guess... I don't know why. I guess maybe the warm air pushes up and the cooler air pushes down and it creates creates that wind. But the wind does blow in the morning because the sun, I guess, starts to warm up the air and, and force that energy down back onto the earth. And then as it gets hot, all that heat and all that air rises back up. And that's when you get that stagnation that helps to build, you know, those thunderstorms and stuff that we have in the afternoon down here. So that's very interesting. I mean, there's your scientific explanation as to why that actually happens. <laughs> Alex Rudd, scientist. <laughs> don't you don't you love uh, when you get an email or a notification on your phone that says your flight's canceled when your flight is in ten hours? Oh, that's not good. How are that's they going to really go fun. ahead and can- how are they going to go ahead and just cancel that ten hours from now? This is a great question, my friend. Guess but- you better start driving. Bear with me here while I try to uh, confirm my new flight option while we talk about bass fishing. Um, So, I mean, on the topic of that, here's one thing I'm I'm curious about. Mm -hmm. How much do you think, because moon phase is huge in the spring, especially on the spawn, obviously. Everybody Mm -hmm. knows that. Mm -hmm. How big do you think the moon phase is in the summer? So, here's where I think temperature starts to play a factor. Okay. So... I think this time of year, especially if you're going to be a kind of guy like me who likes to fish shallow, I think your water temperature dictates everything that you do as far as whether you're going to fish fast or whether you're going to fish slow. The reason I say that, and I'm going to tie this all back into boom phase, don't worry, is that like I can see temperature fluctuations as much as 10, 11 degrees this time of year from morning to afternoon. And it's literally because you know, at night, that water temperature for eight, nine hours that's dark outside or a little bit longer, a little bit shorter, has enough time to cool down eight or nine degrees. And then it gets so hot during the day that it raises back up that eight or nine degrees. And so great example is, you know, this morning I got to the lake, you know, before daylight, put the boat in and I was getting a surface temperature of 78 by the time I left this afternoon, I was getting a surface temperature of 88 to 89. And so that was literally just the difference between there being no sun on the water and sun on the water. Now, how that ties into moon phase is that when we have a full moon, there is not a doubt in my mind that those fish are feeding all night long. 
I think fish feed on light a lot more than people think they do. And I think that how much light a fish, you know, is, is seeing and receiving dictates a lot of their life, including how they feed. And so if we have a full moon, you know, a clear sky with a full moon, that's really, really bright. Those fish can see really, really well. And so they're going to eat all night long. Another thing that you have with a full moon is crawdad molts. And, you know, these crawdads this time of year are very, very active because it's the warmest time of year. And it's when they're moving around the most. And so I think not only do you have fish that are feeding on bait fish and bluegills by moonlight, but they'll also be feeding on those crawdad molts by moonlight as well. And so I think full moons can heavily, heavily dictate whether fish are feeding or not. Some of the best night fishing experiences I've ever had in my life are on those nights where you literally don't need a headlamp because the moon is so bright. And I think it, just like the sun, it positions those fish. It makes those fish eat because they can see what's going on. So I think moon phase is huge for whether fish are going to eat or not. And I think it also helps to dictate like, hey, do I need to get there as early as possible? And do I need to capitalize on this bite window? You know, I'll often say in my kayak tournaments, this tournament's going to be one between daylight and eight o'clock. And it's because that's the bite window that we have. You know, you're capitalizing on that, that last, you know, third of the evening, last third of that darkness that those fish like, you know. And, and if you can get your work done in that window, you can hit some of those fish that are still feeding within that window that the full moon provided. So, yeah. And kind of to keep going down the water temperature path, um, and kind of down that train of thought that really helps me to dictate whether I'm going to fish slow or whether I'm going to fish fast. And so, you know, one thing that I like to do, I fish a lot of rivers, I fish a lot of creeks, I fish a lot of moving water. And so like today's a great example. I ran up to a wear dam that dumps into a lake. Well, when you run up to that wear dam, you know, that water is coming out of the mountains. It's coming out of creeks and out of a river. And so, you know, temperature there was 73, 71 to 73 compared to main lake where it was 85 to 89 degrees. Well, when I get up into that 70 degree water, first thing I do is pick up a spinnerbait. First four casts, I crack a three and a half pound smallmouth. And so like, you know, that water temperature change and that moving water, that current going back to that whole current thing that moving water inherently that surface temperature, not only is it going to be lower because the water's moving, but because of where it's coming from as well. And so in that scenario, I'm fishing fast. And even when I pick up something that's quote unquote slow, I'm still fishing it fast. Like a flipping jig in pump it twice out. Just go, 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 go. I mean like move, 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 move. You know what I mean? Yeah. Going down that same train of thought. I think another thing that's huge and helps to dictate kind of whether you're going to fish slow or whether you're going to fish fast is shade. It's amazing. And, and I would implore everybody to do this sometime, you know, whether you're swimming in a lake or hanging out or whatever, literally swim out in the main part out in the sun and then swim under the dock and feel the literal temperature difference between out in the sun and under the dock. You know, this time of year, if you're getting an 89 degree water temperature, you know, in the sun, it could be literally five, six, seven degrees cooler up under a dock. It is actually really fascinating. And it's something a lot of people don't realize. And so, you know, that's why this time of year, I'll, I'll still fish that stuff slow, like a wacky rig, you know, something that hangs in their face and like, you know, is, is going to give them a chance to eat it. 
but I'm still going to move fast as far as what I'm doing. Right. Like you skip it up under the dock, let it fall, go to the next dock. Cause if they're under that dock, they're going to eat it. You're it's just the way that it, it yeah. you know what I mean? And yeah. go, 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 go and cover a lot of water. So it's like, you know, this is getting into, do I fish slow or do I fish fast? Yes. Do both <laughs> fish in a fish slow in a fast way in scenarios like that. You know, if we're not talking about offshore, if we're just talking about, you know, on the shore, if we're talking about shallower fishing, the kind of stuff I like to do. If you don't have river current, if you don't have cool water, then slow down, but fish fast, hit a lot of targets, hit the shade lines, hit those areas where those bass want to be. Cause again, just like us, we don't want to bake in the sun. Like I don't want to go sit in my front yard out in the middle of the sun and just sit there when it's 98 degrees. I would much rather sit up under the shade of the tree that's in my front yard because it's going to be cooler. It's going to be more comfortable and the fish are the same exact way. Also, I don't want to run down my hamburger. I just want somebody to bring it to me fast in a fast (laughs) way. I want them to bring it to me in a fast way, but I want it brought to me. And that's what you're doing when you're fishing that way, you know, fish slow in a fast way. Yeah. Uh, And so I think this is actually a really good point to bring up is there's advantages to fishing slow and there's advantages to fishing fast. And where that advantage lies is when you fish fast and in the summer is you're not giving that fish time to think you're letting their instincts take the wheel, which is good. But also depending on the condition, you could be screwing the pooch on there and spooking that fish. But If you, when you're fishing slow, it goes back to Alex's point where it's like you're letting that big fish find feel like they found that bait. Mm-hmm. And that's where you talk about people soaking a bait. When you think mm-hmm. about fish in the summer, I mean, generally, you know, most cases fish are not moving mm-hmm. or they're moving very slow. That's mm-hmm. why long casts and moving very slowly is so important. That's why people preach that is because, I mean, there's been times that I've been so lucky to actually like visually see this happen where it's yes. like when you got a bunch of fish around you, we got clear water obviously in the, in the North so we can visually see how these fish behave a little bit easier. You make a long cast and you're watching that bait get dragged towards you and you look off 30 feet to the right and there's just a little three pounder mosey his way over and uh. you just keep dragging it towards him and he goes, he stops, looks uh. at it. And it's like, uh. it's like that it's all clicking where it's like, Oh, he thinks he just found it. And then he annihilates your jig. Like yeah. it's just one of those things where, I mean, that's where there is coming to fruition of he found it. That's why if you can sneak up on a fish and you're say you're sight fishing and you yeah. come behind that fish, you're going to catch that fish. Yes. As long as you don't like splash the water to high heaven mm-hmm. and completely mess up everything, mm-hmm. you're going to catch that fish because you have the element of surprise. And that's where I think that factors into the same realm of letting that fish find your bait. Yep. Because like how many times have you been going down the bank or you see a fish and you get that nice, perfect lay down, soft landing with the cast yeah. with the wacky rig and they just fly over Ooh. and grab it. Yeah. It's the yep. same deal. Yep. Makes it, they think they, they think that they just saw it. Like it's, yeah. it's just there. But, like they got the jump on it. You know what I mean? That happened to me the other day. I was actually bluegill fishing and caught a three pounder. It was pretty You're funny. Bluegill fishing? Yeah, dude. I was, I was going, it's, it's see very hot. <laughs> yeah no listen i'm an angler all right i have fun like if it bites i catch it listen you're talking to the dude who him and his dad figured out if we soaked the fish okay let me let me pre- rabbit hole story. <laughs> here we go okay here we go. <laughs> rabbit hole story so we were staying at this resort down in florida and <laughs> i love it we we're staying at this resort down in florida and um 
at this resort, there was a pond full of tilapia, and there was a competition on catching tilapia. Well, me and Dad figured out that if we soaked the fish food that we could run it onto a hook and catch more tilapia. And we won the fishing competition and won like a $20 gift card to the ice cream shop that was in the resort. It was great. But anyway, that name, your wall? Uh, it may still be there. I don't know. <laughs> that's still like one of the greatest, like it's core memories right there. But anyway, uh, that's amazing. I, I'm throwing this little cicada bait, like little bitty tiny cicada bait on an ultralight, like bluegill rod. I throw it up on the bank. And it, in, in the thing with the cicada bait is you got to like really just whip the piss out of it. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, this big arcing cast and it hits the water. And dude, when that thing hit the water, this bass comes out of literally, it's like he just appears out of nowhere and he's right on it and then just smokes it. And I think that was a perfect example of this bass was sitting up shallow. He was sitting up in a shade line is exactly where he was. He's sitting in the shade of this tree and he thought this bug has hit the water and I've got an easy meal. And it's exactly what we're talking about, just making those fish feel like they found it, man. It's just, it's such a simple thing. But you're right, man. If fish see you, you're done. That's just, it don't matter. Even in clear water, sight fishing, any scenario, fish are up shallow and they can see you, they are not going to eat. It doesn't matter if it's bluegill, crappie, voila. I mean, dude, if they see you, you're, you're finished. Good luck, bud. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's usually the case where you have to like give them time especially i mean you can catch those fish it's mm-hmm. more of you gotta go leave for 15 minutes and hope that they're still there i mean largemouth they're still gonna be there yeah. they're not gonna go no. far no yeah it's but if it's a small mouth i mean goodbye <laughs> you, you screwed <laughs> right. that one up she got yeah <laughs> they, they leave they're swimmers they like to swim miles so uh quick quick uh flight update here i'm sure some folks might actually care some people are probably like dude we don't care shut up um so i thought my flight got rescheduled to 15 minutes later tomorrow to a new flight Mm. but i was supposed to fish a tournament on saturday with sean uh our our friend from x2 yes i am not fishing that tournament (laughs) it got scheduled to saturday morning so i'm missing that tournament unfortunately that Which sucked, was sucked man. because it was a fun charity tournament and it was one big fish. And I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> that's, oh, that's a big bummer. That would have been a lot of fun. Oh, we lost Red. We have lost Red. But yeah, that's a big bummer. I was looking forward to doing that. Uh, There's ho- uh, My boss actually at work at Gunpowder is hosting a uh, charity tournament for veterans on Saturday. And that was who I was supposed to be fishing with was with Sean. And it was a big fish derby. And unfortunately, hey, you're back, buddy. My computer just spazzed. I don't know what that was. <laughs> the stream's just like, damn, this guy's way too ugly for this stream. Yeah, <laughs> it was like it just caught up and went like, oh god, he's on here. Get rid of him. Get rid of him now. Take it and leave. Take it and leave. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, getting back to the topic of this show, and I like I, I have to first just like I keep, here I go go on another tangent. Uh, my tangent about was going to be apologizing about tangents to the folks here that stay on track, keep up with our episodes because like they're like, yeah, I can't wait to learn about fast and slow. And they learn about it for two minutes and they learn about random BS for five minutes and they learn about it for two minutes. Like perhaps to you guys. Okay. Back to what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Another rabbit hole. (laughs) Uh, We're going to be doing a deeper dive on this because I Mm. think it would be really cool to get on, like a like a cranking specialist like your mm-hmm. Keith Combs 
and then you get a guy who's really good at dragon, say like a Mark Rose, mm-hmm. like get those two specialists on and talk about the dog days of what their process is and yep. see if the two of them differ in any situation, which I think would be really cool. Yeah. Uh, we can definitely pick those apart, but yeah, yeah I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's so, such, I mean, dude, me, my, here's what I do this time of year. I go running up in a river and I find current because those fish are just going to eat more because the water's cooler and the water's moving. And so that's where I can go fish fast and flip fast and move fast. And so like to get somebody on that either doesn't enjoy that or can't do that would be very interesting. Cause then you're going to get a, a, a much more unbiased uh, <laughs> opinion and perspective than mine, where I'm just like, Alex, what are you doing? I'm going to go bounce my boat off rocks up in a river somewhere. I don't know what you're doing, but that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that always is a, a nice solution if you have the means to do so, is get way up a river because, especially way. this time of year. Yeah. yeah, It's the best, dude. It's like always Especially what I was just doing this past weekend on the Susquehanna. Yes. That, was, yes. that was a lot of fun. That was a lot. <laughs> you would have had a time of your life there, my friend. Oh. I, w- I would have probably I would have probably been so focused on catching fish that I wouldn't have measured a single one. I probably could have won the tournament and never known that I won it because I'd just be like trying to catch the next one. Like, oh, that just that sounds like my addiction, dude. Ugh. Dude, I mean, you're talking about that little cicada bug bait. I mean, for folks that like to fish rivers or you want like the juice bait for sight fish and smallmouth, like this was a legit deal that Nolan Miner did to win this event. Go back one episode to our, our show with Nolan Miner on his win this past week on the Susky. It's juice. And uh, it's let's juice. just say after the episode, it's sold out just about everywhere. So <laughs> good luck trying to find it. But when it comes back in stock, dude, it's pretty wicked. I, I, I screwed the pooch and waited too long and trying to order some. But it's a little that evergreen gizmo. Dude, it's, oh, yeah. I texted the boys at Omni and I'm like, hey, get this on your site. Because people want ten percent off, <laughs> dude. And I mean, dude, those little baits are so juice for smallmouth and stuff, and like moving water. And man, people so overlook stuff like that because they think, oh, it's so small, a bass isn't going to eat it. No, right. that's like exactly what a bass wants to eat. Like easy, it, easy. It's easy food, man. And this time of year, it's easy. That's what fish are looking for. Is easy. They don't want to work. They want it just given to them. And like I said, I want my I want my McDonald's brought to my tree out in my front yard. I want it brought fast. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? Like, like, dude, that's just it. That's it. Well, and dude, speaking of that, that new Do It Molds Katana Craw is going to be freaking sweet. I can see yes. you, you were pouring some already, didn't you? Yeah, you, yeah. You the, no, I already you poured, poured the Bushy Beetle. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, and I did the Katana Craw, too. I got a bunch of those I poured, too. So are you putting that on a net head? Yeah, Ned Head, and I did the Magnum Ned Head, and I put it on the back of a little bitty uh, finesse jig as well. That's what I'm thinking, is that little finesse yeah. jig is going to be sick. And, yeah. you know, this time of year is a great time, and it's only going to get better throughout the fall, especially in your neck of the woods, yes. where you're taking that bushy beetle, slapping on a one-ounce punch weight in the front of it, and going hitting mats. Yes. Yes, dude, I'm I'm jacked, man. I'm I'm so jacked. Like that thing's wicked. I'm I'm digging it already. I, I poured up a bunch, and it's it's right. Like it's a good flipping bait. I like that it's so thin too, because like I can tuck a big four out hook up into it, five out hook up into it, but it's still like when they eat it, it's nothing but just like cracking their face wide open with a straight shape flipping hook. <laughs> yeah, 
I will I will say for the tournament of champions coming up in November that uh, I will for sure be pouring a crap ton of bushy beetles. Heck yes. And uh, I'm going to actually be experimenting with this bait fuel stuff, and hopefully it's legit because then I'll soak a bunch of them in bait fuel. But I, I'm serious, you know. I'm Andy and I and Deacon. We're doing a full blown like I'm a Berkeley nut. I love Maxent. <laughs> I yep. hope bait feels just as good. I hope it gets it runs for its money because it's going to create the competition and the two companies are going to go like this. And we're yeah. going to, as, us as anglers, are going to receive the, uh, the reward of it, of catching more yeah. fish. But yeah. uh, I did a little experiment. I got a video coming on Be the Fish. I just put one out actually yesterday for folks that are listening or watching the show. A little tournament video on Be the Fish. You haven't checked it out. But I have a new episode coming uh, where I went out on Erie. I actually caught almost 26 pounds and I compared bait fuel versus Maxent and which yep. bait got eaten faster, which bait got eaten more. But yep. Andy and I are actually going to go legitimately, legitimately come out and like one of us, same setup, one of us use bait fuel, one of us use Maxent and, and see, like, see which, which one, one wins. Yeah. See which yeah. one wins. We'll keep, it, we'll keep it the same. We'll just dead stick it. Same everything, same weight, same line size, same leader size, everything. We're going to keep yeah. it and we're going to make two baits. Go head to head, and you yeah. guys will see the see what happens. See Heck the yes. Heck but yes. uh, but I really don't know how much else we need to cover here for fast versus slow in the summertime beyond just like. And it sounds so repetitive, and I'm pretty sure people hate it. But you know, fishing that moment and really reading the signs. Yes. Where how yes. you should fish. I mean, electronics is going to be a big one, especially for guys that like to fish offshore. But yes. if you're going down a bank or fishing grass, let the conditions tell you. You know, when you start getting, you know, starting clicking with those conditions, things become so much easier. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, just, just realize that, you know, with the water as hot as it is, you know, fish, f- some fish are going to be lethargic. Other fish are going to be hyperly aggressive. You know what I mean? And like their metabolism is pumping harder right now than it, it pumps all year long just because, you know, they're warm, their body's warm, they're go, 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 go. And so, even if you do have to fish slow, you can still get that aggression out of those bass in a lot of cases. And, and, you know, so don't be afraid to, again, fish slow in a fast way. <laughs> right. And that's where that, uh, do you have one yet? That new Revo rocket spinning reel? I don't, I'm still, I still need to get one. I told Mitch I wanted one. I don't, I don't know what happened that must have got lost in communication somewhere i did get a couple new rods today so i can't complain but i do need one of those as well (laughs) that's what that's where that is a reel that will help your fish fast slowly if that makes sense yes yep seven six to one gear ratio that's pretty wild i'm very excited about that just because it is kind of i mean i love to fish a wacky rig but i also love to fish a wacky rig at a lot of different targets very fast you know i actually had a dis- not to go super in depth and down another rabbit hole, but I actually had a discussion one time about a guy. He said, you know, he said, I fish every cast back to the boat. And I said, I said, to be totally candid with you and to be totally honest, it sounds like a massive waste of my time. I said, because I would rather hit 500 targets in a day rather than 150 targets in a day and have 500 chances to get a fish to bite. And in a scenario like with the wacky rig around docks, like I was talking about earlier, hitting as many targets as possible as fast as you possibly can is how you get bots you know like cover water put the trolling motor on eight and go and you know the past couple days i've been flipping a jig and throwing a wacky rig literally covering 
miles of banks without without pulling my my trolling motor up but it's because i go to areas where there's a lot of docks there's a lot of seawalls there's a lot of standards there's a lot of just different things in there and it's just flip 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 go 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 you know what i mean so yeah rock and roll baby yeah i mean it's it's hitting 500 high percentage areas versus hitting 150 and getting lucky with maybe one or two bite that's further off that high percentage area where exactly people don't think that they're which i guess has an advantage but you got to weigh your pros and cons i mean yes opportunity yes yeah it is it, it again it goes back to everything that we talked at, about today so take some of that information and go apply it <laughs> yeah i think it's a uh that's gonna be a cool reel for forward facing sonar too and then we talked yeah about it after this. yeah um I, I need to get into the whole forward facing sonar thing eventually I'm still trying to learn 360 right now. I am, uh, I'm very much enjoying 360. It's, uh, it's showing me things that I never even knew existed, even in, when I'm only in five foot of water. You know what I mean? Like, I've found very several trees and stumps and things that don't have fish on them right now. But like this fall, like knowing that that stump is under the water, 20 feet to the left of somewhere that I've never fished before, and throwing like a, a top water or something over it. It'll be awesome <laughs> i love it i love it well, well buddy is there uh anything coming down the hopper that people should know about for mr alex red fishing and his youtube channel yeah man we got a lot going on uh leaving sunday to go fish with my buddy larry melton for you guys that watch him on the youtubes we're gonna go hang out with him down in alabama and fish some of his awesome ponds that he has down there um, and then when I get back, I'll be here for about a week. And then I'm going to North Carolina to fish with my buddy Judson. We're going to do a little bit of red fishing and speckled trout fishing. And then uh, this fall, I got some big plans as far as the Alex Red Fishing Channel and kind of how it may change a little bit. You know, nothing, nothing like crazy, like it's going to be like channel ending or anything. But I'm going to start doing some different things, you know, get, get, uh, have some fun and, and do things that I've never done before and uh bring everybody along so yeah man just got a lot of cool content coming out i'm excited about all of it it's just i've been having a lot of fun lately man i'll be totally honest with you i have a candid moment with everybody on the podcast as well as you i not having to go to work and not having the stress of the 40 hours a week and, and go 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 constantly like i was before i'm able to have moments where like i truly enjoy and embrace moments and it's like I've truly like been enjoying myself lately as far as like fishing and making content. And hopefully it's coming through in the videos because I'm just having a freaking ball. So it's it's good stuff, man. I am beyond happy for you, buddy. Because I love to see it. Because I've seen a change. I'll be honest. I've seen a change. Been friends with you for probably what, year and a half now or so? Two uh, years? Maybe. Two, two years, three years? I don't know. Long time. It's hard to remember because the first time we got in the boat, we were like making fun of each other, like we were known each other for a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had known each other for at least a year before that, and it's been a year since that. So it's probably two, three years. Yeah, yeah. It was like February, last February, we were fishing together. Either way, what basically the point I'm trying to get at is I've noticed a change since you went full time. Where it's like you could tell, you could even tell in your content, you just you feel free, and I think that's pretty badass. And I'm. I'm happy I appreciate it, man. I yeah. appreciate it, buddy. Sky's appreciate the limit it. for you, for you, buddy. If you guys, right. if you live under a rock and you have not seen this big bearded beauty, 
you know, go check out his YouTube channel. It's down in the description. Go subscribe to it. His content is badass. He literally yes. does that. So yes. go check it out. Uh, he catches bass that are bigger than his beard. So, you know, <laughs> try to. Believe it or not. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I, try. <laughs> I try. I really do. <laughs> You seriously should have uh, to try to hide a fish in your beard just for like a TikTok or something. It'd be oh, it'd be, it'd be easy. I need to use my beard for a lure and hide fish inside of it. Just pull, should, pull a spinner. Dude, I'm telling you, you need to make hair jigs out of your beard and sell them. Uh, yeah. What happens when the demand goes up and I run out of beard? It's a, it's a, it's a legendary item. It's a, it's a novelty. It's a, so, so what you're saying is sell a few at a very high price. That's right. And then you'd be yeah. like, sorry, folks, we'll be back in three weeks. The beard yeah. is not long enough yet. Yeah. It's like drop coming in two and a half weeks. Be ready. That's right. It's like a big swim bait. It's like, a big <laughs> it's like custom handmade hair jigs. Like, it's amazing. I would pay $20 for a Rudd beard hair jig <laughs> to say I've caught a, a fish on Rudd's beard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Dude, maybe, wouldn't maybe... that not be sick? Like a five pound smallmouth with a Rudd beard hair jig sticking out yes, of his face. Yes, I do. Yeah. Uh... I, I got to do it now. I got to make a few just so like I can send them to you so you can go crack you one on it. Just cause I'll do it. <laughs> I mean, he said, I'll do it. He's like, I'll do it. I'll uh, hang that sucker up too. I'll put it in a case and everything. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, God, oh buddy, awesome. this has been a fun show. I got to go figure out how the heck I'm going to get to Wisconsin this weekend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of bummed. I was really f- looking forward to fishing with Sean. Uh, if you guys have not checked out X2 Power and you have some battery needs, hit us up. Hit up Rudd. Rudd as well works with X2. And uh, we'll get you guys hooked up. But, uh, folks, as always, appreciate you guys. And we will see you guys next week for Tuesday Night Live. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you like some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.